Hello, welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, and human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now, here's your host, two-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kosowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we talk about subject matters of leadership, business, and human potential, that being your life. I'm your host, Deborah Kozowski, and I have a very special guest, a dear friend of mine, who I want to share with you and the world. My friend Kelly Filardo is a burn victim, and she, since two years old, and 75% of her body was burned, and constantly struggled with self-worth and confidence. She found her way to go from a near-death experience to success, from ugly Scarface to top 10 most powerful and influential speaker, theorist woman of the year, an international best-selling author five times, recipient of the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal, and YWCA Woman of Distinction. She has also traveled to Africa to help burn victims recover from tragic injuries. And recently, the documentary about her life story, Still Beautiful, launched on national TV. You have to ask yourself how. How did a burn victim who constantly struggle with rejection, staring, teasing, burst through all the negativity in her life to succeed. You have to hear her speak, read her books, and wa or watch Still Beautiful documentary to learn the stories of how she did it. And I am so grateful to have you here, my friend. We were commenting before we came on the video how we live like 25, 30 minutes away and we have not had a chance to connect in a little while. <laughs> and I'm so grateful to have you on the show because now I've got you. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm happy that I get this this you know this time with you too because it, it's crazy that you know we live so close and yet it feels so far away at times. Yes, and it's I'm just grateful to actually with this technology to actually be able to see you, <laughs> which always gives me a better connection. Exactly. Um, but I want to get off by starting how we met several years ago. We were at an eWomen Network uh, conference. It was a one-day event. And I watched your career explode from that time. Uh, did you ever have any doubts or fears come up along the way? And I have to share with everyone because one of our, I think one of my biggest connections to you, Kelly, is the Black Eyed Peas, I Got a Feeling song. <laughs> um, how that, to me, bonds me with you. So I would love for you to share with everyone a little bit about that journey. Well, you know, it's funny because you and I both have, you know, a mutual friend, Charmaine Hammond, and I owe all of this to her because her and I met at an event, at a different woman's event, and um, she said to me, she said, you know, Kel, you need to be a speaker. And I was like, Why? I'm a burn survivor, so what? Why does that make me special? And she goes, no, Kelly, people are gonna be inspired by your story. You need to sell that other business you have and you need to be a speaker. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're full of it, right? Like, you know, because I, at that point, um, me and my husband at the time, cause he's not my husband anymore, but at that time we were going through some really, really rough times. Like we were really close to bankruptcy he had lost his job. He then had to be self-employed. He told me to step up to the plate. And, you know, because I was a stay-at-home mom at that time. And he was like, okay, it's time for you to step up to the plate. We had like twins. And I was like, there was no sense in me going to work because it was going to cost more money for babysitting than it was for the amount of money I was going to make. And because he got laid off, he said, okay, it's time for you to step up to the plate. And I'm like, okay, watch me. And like within two days, I had a job, plus I had my scrapbooking business, and um, that was when I met Charmaine Hammond. And at that point, I was in one of my lowest points of like, how could I be worthy? Like, how, like I'm not successful. I'm not, I wasn't making any money. I was 
you know, in a dead end toxic marriage that I hated. And, you know, all this crap was going on in my life. And so when, you know, when she, Charmaine says to me, Kelly, you need to be a speaker. People will be inspired by your story. All I could see was all of this toxic, negative stuff that was going on in my life. So I didn't see me as having any value as being a speaker. So what Charmaine did, though, is she didn't allow me to step out of that. What she did is she lined up for me to be a speaker at the event that you and I met at. Yeah. And, and how she made it even more comfortable for me was that she said, look, let's do an Ellen show. I'll be Ellen. You'll be the guest. And that's how we started. And so I didn't have to just get up and do a speech. She led me through it. And it was just a beautiful experience because that was how I met you. And, um, and that was when all these people would come up to me and, and they would say, you need to be a speaker. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I still remember that, that very first day because I was speaking and um, people were crying. And, I, and literally I was looking around the stage and I was going like this and I'm thinking, why are they crying? And, and, and I'm thinking to my head, they're, they're crying because of your story. And I'm like, okay. So then Charmaine asked me another question and I'd start talking again. And all of a sudden, all these people were laughing. And then I'm looking again around the stage, right? And I'm thinking, why are they laughing? And she goes, and I, again, I'm saying to myself, they're laughing at your story. It's a funny story. And then, you know, at the end, we played that song, Black Eyed Peas, I Got a Feeling because that was when it first came out and everybody got up on their chairs and we were dancing and it was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And when I went home that night, I said to my husband, I said, I'm going to be a speaker. And he said, how are you gonna do that? And I said, I don't know, but it's going to happen. And then that night he said to me, he said, you know, I don't understand. What makes you think you're gonna be a speaker? Like, who's gonna listen to you? You're not successful. Like." You know, and, and in his defense, he wasn't trying to be a jerk. He was just basically saying, I don't get it. Because he didn't see my scars anymore. So he didn't see that as being a tragedy, right? He didn't see me like Anthony Robbins that is big and successful and making major amounts of money. He didn't see any of that. And so he just saw that we had a ton of bills. We were about to go bankrupt. We had all this massive toxic energy in our lives. And how could I inspire somebody? So, so then what happened is I signed up for Cheryl Cram's course on how to be a keynote speaker and took that two-day course and then away I went from there and I just believed that there had to be something else for me. It couldn't just be that I would be, you know, in a dead-end job, in a toxic marriage and, and all that stuff. There had to be something more for me and it was up to me to take that initiative to make it happen. And you know, I think from that day, because I still vividly remember that the energy in the room and like the reactions that you were talking about, the crying, the laughing. But I think what really stands out, Kelly, is because you, you genuinely are like, what the heck is going on, right? But also having the glimpses of what was possible, right? And when we have people around us doubting what possibilities are, I think it's because they haven't seen the possibilities for themselves, those glimpses to say, here's life's coming attractions. Yeah, yeah, very true. Like a lot of times we get so caught up in the whole negative energy that is going on around us that all we can see is the doom and gloom. And that was him. He didn't get any sort of little glimpse of hope that could say, hey, we can change our life around and it can be full of possibilities. And, and that was the whole thing, that Charmaine gave me that hope. And she gave me something that could that helped me see that I could change my life if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And it was up to me to take that step forward. And I still remember Cheryl Cran saying to me, uh, she came up to me and, and like I was just like mesmerized by her. I was like, oh, like I, I didn't want her to stop talking. And, and then she did, and she goes, well, why don't you take my course? And again, we're going bankrupt, right? Like, and, and, she, and it was like a couple thousand bucks or something like that. And I'm like, well, I can't afford that. Like, how do I tell my husband I want money for this? 
And, mm. and she goes, well, look, I'll take payments. And I was like, okay, but then you have to come to Vancouver. And I was like, I can't do that. I have twins. <laughs> yeah. Right? And they were like, and here you're seeing all these obstacles, right? These barriers. Exactly. I know. And all these obstacles were coming up and I'm thinking, okay, now I have to ask him for money for this. Then I have to ask him to be away from the kids and him for a weekend. And then I have to spend money to travel there. And then who am I going to stay with? And I'm thinking of all these things. And then she says to me, okay, well, if you bring, if you know nine other women that want to do it, I'll do it here in Edmonton. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know nine other women that want to be speakers, right? Yeah. You know, and again, I'm thinking, I can't do this. But again, I knew the universe wanted me to be a speaker because I said to myself, how can I be a speaker? And so then at the very end of the day, one of the girls stood up and she said, okay, Cheryl said, if we get 10 people together that want to take our speaker course, she will do it here. We have nine people. Who wants to be the 10th person? And I was like, Oh my gosh, the universe is not letting me out of this. I have to do this. And so I put up my hand and I said, okay, I'll be the 10th person. And the very interesting thing is, out of the 10 of us that took the course, only two of us became professional speakers and I was one of them. And so I knew that the universe was pointing me in that direction and it didn't matter how, I was going to have to come up with that money because I knew that this was the direction I was supposed to go in. Yeah. And I still remember, um, as I mentioned to you, you and I got together at one of the football fields and we went for a walk and talk while my kids were practicing football. And uh, you took a big leap of faith, you know, being near bankruptcy, you quit your job. What did you learn about trusting yourself? Well, that was the biggest part because not only did I quit my job, like I actually started to be a speaker and while I was still married. And then um, I think it was right before that whole football incident that you and I had, I actually ended my marriage. So I ended my marriage and um, then four months later, my boss gave me an ultimatum. And she said, oh, hang on. I sold my business, because remember Char, Char said, you need to sell that business. So I did, I put it up on Kijiji. I gave my ex-husband like his half of the money and I went and I moved in with my aunt and uncle. And he said to me at the time, you can only leave the marriage if you give me the house and the kids. And I said, okay, fine. And I did, I did. And I still saw the kids every day, right? I still got them up in the morning because I'd go there at 5.30 in the morning, I'd still be with them. And then four months later, my boss gives me an ultimatum. And she says to me, because she knew I was already speaking. I already had my first book out. She knew I was doing really well with it. And she knew that she had to be that person to push me off the cliff and, and be that mother bird and push me out of the nest and make me fly. And she says to me, Kel, sometimes someone else has to make the decision for you. Right? Because she was asking me, you're not, you're not liking your job here and you're not doing very well. What else can you like? go be a speaker is what she's saying. I said, she goes, are you going to be excited to come to work on Monday? Are you going to be relieved if you don't have to come to work on Monday? And I was like, oh, and I, and oh, I was like, damn it. Like I just ended my marriage four months earlier and now she was making me quit my job. And I was like, I just need to pay off some more bills. I promise I will quit. Like this is the the bargain I was having with my God is like I'll quit when I pay my bills and, and I remember reading a businesswoman's magazine and um, and in this magazine all like the pages I'm flipping the pages and they're saying follow your passion full-time follow your passion full-time and I'm like but I just off my marriage I don't have any money coming in and, and blah 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 and I'm going this turmoil and then I opened up the middle and it says why do you not trust that God will provide you everything you need? And I was like, oh my God. And I slammed it shut and I was so mad. And then again, that question came up to me and it said, are you going to be excited to go to work on Monday or relieved if you don't have to? And I thought, what if I put 40 hours a week into marketing myself as a speaker instead of 40 hours a week in a job that I hate? And that was when I decided I had to trust myself that 
if I needed money, I could talk to my sister, I could talk to my mom, I could, I, my aunt and uncle were giving me basically a free place to live. Um, and I just trusted that I had to do it. Yeah. And that's, and I think that's the part that I find so inspirational, not just, just your story alone, but it's these leaps of faith and this trusting in yourself, because as you trusted yourself, that's where some of that self-confidence came from and not the ex exterior, right? So what I'd like you to do is just share us about your story and how you became one of the top powerful and influential women speakers today. Sorry, what was your question? I couldn't hear oh, you, sorry. Okay, so tell us about your story and how you became one of the top powerful influential women speakers today. Oh, okay. Um, so basically what I did is I just started, you know, contacting people that I could, you know, events that I could speak at. And um, I also speak a lot for Rotary Club. And so they're one of my passions because they are just amazing people who are making things happen in the world and in the community. And so what I did is I would connect with the different Rotary Clubs. And um, I started also a charity called uh, the Blankets for Burn Kids. And basically with the blankets for burn kids, I took one of my paintings and I had it made into a blanket. And the blanket says, you are loved, you are needed, you are wanted. And so what I did is I went to the different Rotary clubs and I said, you know, this is my story of getting burnt as a two-year-old and, you know, to most of my body. And, you know, when I grew up being the ugly Scarface girl, that was, that was me, right? Like, and I knew that because when I walked past my teacher's desk in grade five, I saw a piece of paper that had a, um, a circle on it with eyes, nose, and mouth and scribble on it, and it said Scarface. And I said, I don't want any other child to ever feel like they're ugly or that they're unloved or unwanted. And so can your Rotary Club sponsor blankets that we can then go and give to the burn kids at summer camp? And so um, that was how I did it. It was that I kept contacting every single Rotary Club and saying, hey, I want to be a speaker and, and let's help these kids to feel more loved in this world. And so that was one of the ways I did it. Um, the other way I did it was by writing books. So, you know, I've got no risk, no rewards. And that's my very first book. And then Self-Esteem Doesn't Come in a Bottle. That's my second book. And that was my first best-selling book. And I just kept writing books and connecting with people on social media. Um, and then recently, my last book um, is called Still Beautiful, which is part of my documentary. So with my documentary, this is a, a beautiful story too. Um, I always wanted to meet Wayne Dyer and Doreen Virtue. And so I said to the universe, help me meet my, my two favorite authors. And so wouldn't you know it, but sure enough, on Facebook, pops up a conference that Wayne Dyer and Doreen Virtue are the speakers at. And I was like, oh my God, like it's just so crazy how the universe provides what you want. And so I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to do this. And then I thought, yeah, but I don't have the money, right? Because the conference was in Maui and I didn't have the money for it. And I was like, okay, show me the money. If you want me to go to this, show me the money. And so I was... I was being, um, I was at a speaker event, or no, I was at a teacher's convention, and I was supposed to be paid an honorarium. Now, typically an honorarium is anywhere from $100 to $500. So I wasn't expecting very much. I was expecting maybe $100 or $200 for the speech that I had done. So then I get the check in the mail, and I open it up, and it's $1,500. And I was like, what? $1,500, right? And I, then it hit me. Oh shit! I I show I told the universe if you want me to go to this conference, show me the money. Here's fifteen hundred dollars plus my credit card limit got raised a thousand bucks. So then I was at twenty five hundred bucks, or no, yeah, I had twenty five hundred bucks, and I was like, oh my god. And and of course, so what I did though is I was like, okay, I made a deal with myself. If you show me the money, I'll go. Now this conference was not just to meet the authors, it was a conference to teach people how to write a book proposal so that you could get in with a, a publisher. So it was a valuable conference for me to attend. So sure enough, I bought my, my conference ticket, paid for my flight, and, and I was ready to go. 
And it was interesting because I still remember the decision making that I had because I was so used to having to ask for permission from my ex-husband to do things. And because we were married for 24 years. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, I better ask him if I can go. And then I thought, hold it. You're not married anymore. You don't have to ask his permission. If you want to go, just book it. So like these are the little conversations I'm having in my head, right? So anyway, I, I go. I go to the conference. And then with the book proposal, you could also um, win a publishing contract with, with Hay House. Now, I didn't win. But then I thought to myself, okay, there's obviously a reason that I had to write this book proposal. So what's the reason? And then I thought to myself, email Brian. Now, Brian is... Um, Brian is, uh, he is a producer at Accessible Media Incorporated. They are a broadcaster here in Canada, and they focus on people with disabilities. So I emailed Brian because he featured my other documentary. And so I emailed Brian, and I said, Brian, I just wrote this book proposal for my life story called Still Beautiful, and I'm being encouraged to make this into a documentary. And I said, it might be a stupid idea, but I don't know. Maybe you guys are interested in this documentary idea. So he, he emailed me back and he said, Kelly, there are no stupid ideas. Send the proposal over. So I send the proposal over to him. And he says, okay, I've just sent it to our manager of original programming here at, the, at our network. And he wants to have a meeting with you. And I'm like, okay. So we have a meeting. And we're talking, and he goes, okay, Kelly, I know you've already done a documentary once before, but do you want to produce this yourself, or do you want us to produce it, and then we'll put money into the pot? And I'm like, hell yeah, I want the money in the pot, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's how my documentary came about. So it was all because I had that little thought, email buy-in, take that proposal, email it to Brian, the documentary got produced, it aired in Canada, all across Canada, I think it's aired about 20 times now, and so then I launched the book, and the book became number one best-selling book, and so, you know, it was all about taking that leap of faith, and taking that action, and trusting that there was a reason, and I think that's the problem, is that a lot of times we get so stuck, you know, and there's been many times when I've held myself back. And I don't know about you, Deborah, but you know how it is. It's sometimes you get that thought and you're like, yeah, no, I'm not good enough. Or, you know, that you know, between the ears. <laughs> yeah, it's just stuff in here that sometimes it's what our little ego that holds us back from doing what we need to do. And so when, you know, I look back and I think about the domino effect of everything that has happened. And it's all because I just like, okay, I'm going to trust that this is what I need to do. Like, I didn't know if I was going to win that contest or not, but I thought I, I'm trusting that I'm supposed to go to this. And, and I did it. And as a result of me going to that conference in Maui, it's enabled me to do this documentary. And, and now the, the beautiful thing about the documentary is we're trying to raise a half million dollars so that we can now get it into the theaters in the five different English countries. And Again, I don't even know where that's going to take me, but it's, I know it's going to happen just because I've learned to trust that if there's something I want and if I'm in alignment, right? And that's the key thing. When you're doing stuff that you're in alignment with, it works, right? And I mean, like even Goalcast, they did that video on my story. Congratulations just on the Goalcast. Absolutely. I know. And they're like... 7.3 million views and something like 80,000 people have shared it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like incredible, right? So. so what was your secret to, I guess we would say that's like manifesting. Did you just say it once and never thought about it again? Or did you write it out every day? What was, how did, when you said show me the money and all these pieces, what, what was your process for getting there and trusting and releasing and allowing? Um, it's, 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 it's all about asking the question. So a lot of times, um, a lot of times people say, I can't do that. Right. And 
that okay so that's the difference between me and my ex-husband if, if i was to present him with an idea he would say well i can't do that because he doesn't know every single piece of the puzzle right so if i have something that i really want i say how can i do that so it was like well how can i produce a documentary and i don't and i don't uh expect the answer right away so i just say how can i produce a documentary and, and basically, I'm, I'm saying that to my higher power, my higher source, how can we do this? And, and then my brain is thinking, okay, well, how can we do that? Because if you say, I can't do that, your brain says, you're right, can't do it, done, doesn't even think about it anymore. And you basically shut off the communication line to your brain and to your heart and to your subconscious. But when you go and you say, how can I do it? Your subconscious and your soul or whatever you want to call it says, Okay, that's interesting. How can we do that? And it starts thinking yeah. and it starts coming up with ideas. And so it's, it's all about just trusting that it's, it's going to happen. Um, like, it's interesting because I, I find it really fascinating that there's certain things I can manifest and it feels like certain things I can't manifest. But really, it's not that I can't manifest it. It's just that it's not the right time. Mm. So a lot of times people are expecting things to manifest instantly and it doesn't work that way. Like it's not like you can just go and say, okay, I want to go on a trip to Africa and then boom, you're on the plane the next day to Africa. It doesn't happen that way. Certain things, a sequence of events have to happen until you get there. It's just like I said, you know, I said that I wanted to meet, you know, Wayne Dyer and well, actually, you know what? Let's, let's back up. I said to myself a long time ago, I wanted to be on TV. Many years ago, I wanted to have a show. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I just said, I want to do this. I don't know why. I th well, I do know why. I, the reason why is because deep down in me, I, oh, this is, this is painful for me to talk about. I always believed because I was a child and I was an ugly girl, that that meant I wouldn't have any opportunities in life. Okay. I always believed that all the opportunities happen to the beautiful girls, not the ugly girls. And so deep down in me is this whole sense of I need to prove myself. I need to prove that I am just as good as the beautiful people. Okay. And so my thing was I want to be on TV was my deep soul trying to prove that I didn't have to be super gorgeous in order to be on TV, okay? And so that's, that's uh, something that I dealt with. So, so anyways, um, I had to write that book, right? Or that book proposal in order to have a reason to call Brian. And then the sequence of events happened like that. I had to, you know, go to Maui. I had all these things that had to happen in order to make this whole documentary happen. So too many times we want that instant gratification and we don't want to enjoy the journey. And so it's funny when I look back at it and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that is hilarious. That is so hilarious that, you know, I said to myself, I want to meet Doreen and, and Wayne. And then all of a sudden it pops up on Facebook. And then it's like, I shake my head because it's like, I know I said that, but I didn't really mean well, for you're thinking that, oh yeah, the microphones and everything on on my phone let Facebook know this <laughs> you know how they say that you know be careful with the privacy settings because all of a sudden whatever you search for on the internet or you say even though you might not have looked at it on your phone shows up in your feed yeah I know exactly and see and that's the thing like we get signs all the time and it's, it's all about whether people are going to pay attention to them or not like when when I got that truck for $1,500. Okay, so the, here's the thing. People, like, the universe isn't going to send you an email and say, look, here's how I'm going to make that happen for you. I'm going to, someone's going to send you a check for $1,500. That Use that money towards going to that conference. Because when you attend that conference, you're going to write the book proposal. And when you write the book proposal, you're going to pitch it to a network. And when you pitch it to the network, you're going to get all this money so that you can produce a documentary and that documentary is going to lead to you getting your message out to millions of people in the world you don't get that email so 
the the thing is, a lot of people, if they would have got that $1,500 check, they would have said, Yahoo, good, I can pay my bills. Instead, I said, Yahoo, there's the $1,500 I need to go to Maui to make all these sequence of events happen. Right. right? So and that's very cool. powerful. It is. It's very powerful. Like when that conference popped up on Facebook, I was like, and, and it kept popping up. It didn't just pop up once. It popped up for a whole week because I ignored the signs for the first couple of days. I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. They're having a conference. Or they're speaking at an event together. Oh, that's pretty cool. And then it would hit me. By the third time. Yeah, by the third like, time. Uh, I asked for this. Why am I not paying attention to this? Right? And so it's so funny because we'll see the signs repeatedly over and over and over. And it's, it's up to us to take action towards it. And... So yeah, <laughs> it's an amazing journey. I've, I've loved watching you. So now looking back, what would you tell your 16 year old self? I would tell my 16 year old self that, um, because you know, it's interesting you bring up the age 16 because at 16, that was when I was praying to God to take my life. And I would say, dear God, please don't make me wake up in the morning. But if I have to, can I at least be scarless so I can be pretty like all the other girls? Thank you. Amen. And of course, I'd wake up every morning and I'd look in the mirror and the scars would still be there. And I hated what I looked like. It was, it was, um, and my scars have really faded since I was 16. Like when I was 16, my scars were quite a lot more prominent. And, um, and, and one time I went, um, I wanted to go to this party and I asked my mom to do my makeup and my mom put all this makeup on me and she said, Cal, I'm, I'm sorry, this is the best I could do. She says, I hope you're okay. And I'm like, mom, I know, I know you did the best that you could do. Don't worry about it. Right. And I go to this party and, and, um, you know, there was nobody there that that was impressed by me or that I was impressed by and nobody told me I was beautiful and everything. And, um, and I felt horrible. Right. And it was like, why am I doing this to impress somebody? I, I have scars. That's me. You either love me the way I am or you don't get me simple as that. And so I guess what I would say to my 16 year old self is that, um, life has a purpose. And we all have a reason to be in this life and to relax and, and to keep fighting. Like and when I was 16, that's when I was going through a really troublesome time with my stepdad. Like my stepdad, he was a real asshole to me. Like I won an award. I won, um, I think I was about 13 or 14. I won an award in 4-H and I won the first, no, most improved first year member. And when I got home and I gave, I showed him my big silver platter I won, he said to me, you didn't deserve to win that. And I was like, oh, really? Well, if I didn't, who did? And he said, I don't know, but it wasn't you. Mm. And I was like, oh, I was so mad. I was just like, how dare you, right? Like, and, you know, it's interesting because now when I look back, I believe that um, he was actually teaching me how to be strong. You know, people ask me, how, how are you so strong? And it was, it was incidences like that. Like, that's just one of many incidences. Uh, you know, I remember at Christmas time and my brothers and sisters each got, you know, a big ghetto blaster, a big box, and I didn't get anything, right? And I was like, oh, right? I was so angry, but I didn't want to show him how mad and upset I was. And it, and it just made me, like, want to, like, just prove that I was worthy. Mm. Right? Um, and you know, it's interesting when I was 14 or something like that, that was actually when I was in 4-H and I won the public speaking competition. So I believe the universe was showing me way back then that I was supposed to be a speaker, but of course I didn't tune in. I was only like 14, right? Like, how are you going to tune in to that? Yeah. So, um, I would, I would probably tell my 16 year old self just to trust, just to trust that there is a greater purpose and a greater reason for me to be the way I am and uh, that everything's going to work out okay. Beautiful. 
And you know, I think your message is very powerful, um, not only to burn survivors, women, men, um, in general, because I was at the Rachel Hollis um, movie showing, and uh, she had an exercise at one of her conferences, and it asked everybody in the room if you had this check mark on your paper, if you didn't like yourself or your body, please stand up. Three quarters of that conference room stood up. Wow. And when I saw that on the video, I actually thought of you, Kelly, and the work that you've done in schools and talking to teens and about being confident and beautiful and uh, something that I've never shared with anybody other than, you know, I haven't even shared this with you, is when I was 18 years old, there was a boy who was interested in me and I did not reciprocate. Before I left high school, I received a five-page letter of how I needed to use my brain for something because I wasn't beautiful. So when I hear your story, I think of my little piece of story that I played in my head for a long time because I reread that letter over and over and over, thinking and giving some truth to that. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't until a friend of mine who was a police officer read it and we talked about the situation and I, I wasn't going to do anything with it. But he looked at me and he said, I want you to tear that up right now, right now in front of yep. me. And I'm like, really? He goes, this is not your identity. Tear it up. And I did and I released it. But it still took me time to process that, that a, a human being could say so many different things in different ways to me about that. So when I hear your message and watched your journey, I've never been able to share that story with anyone. You know what? I think you did share me that, that story with me. Maybe. I, I can't recall. I do. I remember you sharing that story with me. And I do. And, you know, and it, and it brings up a point. Um, one of the things that I share with people is I call it my tune the dial. So, so you, you have a choice what you can tune into. So for example, um, cause I'm single, I was on the dating site. And, um, so this one guy texts me and he says to me, he said, um, do you like to kiss? Now at this point, I know that that means something, but I didn't know what it meant. So mm -hmm. I want to know what his idea of what kiss means. So then he says to me, do you like to kiss all night? And I was like, okay, so I know what he means. Now, basically, he wants to get me in bed, right? So I said to him, yes, I do. But I like to get to know the guy a few times before I decide if I want to do that or not. And he texts me back and he says, you know, you know, beauty queen, right? Hmm. And I've read it and I was like, oh my god and i read it again you know you know beauty queen right and i was like he really said that and i was like yeah oh my gosh and i said i read it again a third time and i'm like he really said that and and i thought okay why why is this happening what, what's going on here right like and and this just happened to me like four or five years ago right and so i read it again you know you know beauty queen i'm like okay the guy wants wants to fight whatever so i said to him you're right I am no beauty queen in your eyes, but I'm beautiful in my own eyes, and that's all that matters to me. Quick, done. Yes. Right? And the guy kept going on and on and on. And I'm just like, you know what? This is not going to go anywhere. Quit texting me. Done. Block. Done. Like, no need to go any further than this. And so it would have been really easy for me to tune into that, mm -hmm. to that story. And then, and, and again, I'm asking, why is this happening? What's going on? Right. And then I got a text message shortly after that. And the text message said, and, and it's from a guy that I really like. And it says, has anybody told you today how special you are? And I was like, oh, timing, so, divine timing. <laughs> exactly. But, but here's the thing. A lot of times we choose to focus on that negative 
comment. So it would have been really easy for me to tune my dial and stay in that negative place or tune the dial this way and then go into the positive part. So I always say to people, what makes you feel empowered? So do you want to go to the negative spot or do you want to go to the positive spot that makes me feel all warm and fuzzy? And, and that's the problem is it's too easy for us to stay in that negative spot. We want to stay in that negative spot. That's normal for us. Right. And so that's why you kept that letter and you kept reading it over and over and over. And you convinced yourself that he was right, even though he wasn't right. And instead, you probably had all kinds of friends or people that told you how beautiful and gorgeous you are. But yet you choose to ignore them because you didn't want to believe it. You wanted to believe the negative thing. And that's why I'm glad that he made you burn that letter and rip it up and get rid of it because there's no more energy associated to it. And you're able to now say, hey, he doesn't count in my world. Mm -hmm. Why am I focusing on something that doesn't count in my world? It's just like my ex, he told me before I left him, he knew that I was interested in leaving. And he says to me, and he was really drunk, okay? And he said, you know, he says, I often think about if you and I were separated, you would be a single mom with three kids, with the scars on your body, who would want you? Ouch. And I was like, boom. I was like, oh, so now you're my hero. And that's the only reason you're with me is because no other man's going to want me. And I had to make that decision. I had wow. to say, okay, okay here. And this was like eight years ago, right? So this was before I left them. And I thought, okay, you have a choice. Okay, you can stay in this toxic marriage if you want, okay, with a man that you don't love, if you want, that, that is one option. And, and never have that possibility of ever meeting someone that's gonna love and adore you and, you know, and, and treat you in amazing ways. Or you can choose to get out of this marriage and in this marriage, or get out of it, and, and you have a choice to be single. And with the possibility that some man's gonna fall in love with you and love and adore you, or the possibility of being single forever. Those are your choices. And I chose to laugh, to leave, even though there's a possibility that I might not ever be, you know, in love with that man. Because I believe that I deserve to be happy. And I wasn't happy in that toxic marriage. So I believe that more women have to make that decision. Um, and even men too, like they're, you know, on the dating sites where there's people that are just, uh, you know, they're, they're married and they're, they're not having happy marriages. And, and I'll tell them, well, that's your choice. Either you can stay in that or you can choose to end it and go find the woman of your dreams. So it's up to you to make that choice. And it's, it is all about choice. What is one of the most powerful messages because I know you've had some of these students text you um, share stories with you what is one of the most powerful experiences you've had from sharing your stories at the schools oh my god um ah oh, this brings up a, a young boy named Aaron so I had to I spoke at this school a couple years ago and I allow the teenagers to text me their questions and the reason I do that is because kids don't want to stand up in front of a school of 700 kids in order to ask a question because they're so scared of what everybody else is going to think about them. And so they don't want to, to put themselves out there. So, so anyways, I had to do a breakout session with about 30 kids. And this one kid, he stood up and he said, you know, I get teased a lot because I have ADHD. And, you know, so I get teased and I get bullied a lot because of that. And I was like, okay, you know, and so we talked about that. So then I go and I do my speech in front of the whole school. And um, at the end of my speech, I always give away one of my blankets to one of the kids. And so, so anyways, um, I'm getting all these questions and, I, and I'm texting them or people are texting me. And then I answer some of the questions while I'm speaking. And one of the reasons I love to do that is because then I know what direction my speech is gonna go in, right? Because they wanna know these things, right? They, they yeah. wanna know yeah. if I have kids. They wanna know what, you know, 
all these funny things, right? And then they, they do ask some deep and personal questions. So anyways, as I was leaving the stage, I look at my phone and I get this text message from one of the girls, or maybe it was a boy, I don't know. And it said, can you please tell Aaron that we are sorry for picking on him at lunchtime today? And I was like, oh breakthrough, breakthrough. Isn't that incredible? And so I went and I'm looking in the gym and I'm trying to find Aaron and I'm like, Aaron, I said, look at this text message. And he read it and he starts to, you know, the tears are welling up. And I said, you know what? I don't think they're going to tease you anymore. And I gave him a big hug. And it was like, how fascinating was that, that I was able to help facilitate that these kids wanted to apologize to him, but they didn't know how to do it. So it, it was beautiful. It was just like, oh, and I showed it to the teacher and I showed it to the principal. And, and, uh, and by the way, I did change Aaron's name. That's not Aaron's real name. But um, yeah, it was just beautiful that I was able to, to help facilitate that. Beautiful. And I know I didn't ask you if there was any questions off the table. So you can, you can turn me down here right away. But I'm, I am curious about how your kids have embraced you becoming the speaker, following your passion. And, you know, obviously there was transition for them as well. How have they embraced this? Or not embraced, I should say. My kids? How have my kids yeah. embraced it? Yeah. Well, um, like I'm, I'm very open. And so sometimes that can be hard for my kids. So I know in the beginning, I would talk a lot about my daughter and stuff like that. And, um, and she kind of made some comments about it. And so then I decided that I wasn't going to talk about her, um, like publicly on Facebook, mm -hmm. because I believe that her privacy is very important also. Um, here's what I think my kids love about, about what I do. They see me as a single mom. They see me struggle at times. They see me, you know, they see that I don't have a man to support me, right? Yeah, I get a small amount of money for child support, but they see that when I have a dream, I go for it. My daughter got to go with me to Africa. It only happened because I became a speaker and because I know that my passion to help other people love who they are. And we were called to go to Africa to help the burn survivors who had got burnt in a gas explosion. And so my daughter, who was only 14 at the time, got to come with me. It was a beautiful experience. It was not something that she ever would have got to do otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so um, they've seen me get opportunities for them that never would have happened otherwise. Like even for the documentary, for example, we did the jump for camp kids. So we did a skydiving event where you, each person had to raise a thousand dollars and they got to skydive with us for free. And then that money went towards buying the blankets and we gave them to the disadvantaged kids at Camp, um, camp Kiwanis in Bright Creek. So the kids got to experience that. So it was filmed for my documentary, but they got to experience going skydiving. And they, they like I remember saying to Cody, I said, Cody, we need to raise $20,000 so that we can raise all this money for the blankets so that we can give them away to the kids. And so I said to Cody in the car, I said, like, Cody, how can we raise this $20,000? Now, most kids would say, I don't know. How the heck can we do that? We can't raise $20,000. That's astronomical. So my son is like thinking, and he's going, okay, mom, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And I'm like, Cody, gosh, I love your thinking. Like, this is amazing that you're thinking this way. And he looks at me and he says, mom, you raised me. And I was like, ah, oh. you know, like how amazing is that? And, and then this was about four or five months ago. And, and I don't know about you, Deborah, but I'm sure you can relate to these feelings where there's many times we feel like we're being a bad mom. Mm -hmm. And there's times when we have to spend a lot of time away from home as a speaker or, you know, doing our projects and like when you're a speaker, you, you're there when they need you, whether it's during the day or evening, the weekends, or it's out of town or whatever, right? And so I was going through this time before Christmas where I was feeling like a really bad mom. I was just like, like I was gone for like two weeks out of the month of October and my son really needed me and I was able to help him, but still it was, 
I was really feeling like a bad mom. So anyways, um, I'm driving him to school and he says to me, mom, you know, a lot of times my friends talk about their moms and, and they complain about their moms. And he said, you know, he says, I tell them I can't relate to them. He says, I'm proud of my mom. I love my mom. And I'm like, aww, right? Those moments you hang on to. <laughs> yeah, those moments that I'm, when I'm feeling like a bad mom, I think of those moments where, you know, my kids are not thinking that I'm a bad mom. They're seeing me work my butt off. They're seeing me say, I want to do this, and then this happens. And, um, and you know, they, they saw that I wanted to do the documentary, and, and they, they hear about my dreams, and, and then they come to life. And so what's happening is that they're learning to trust that we can make things happen. And they're seeing that the world is full of possibilities, not full of doom and gloom. And it's our choice to make things happen. And so even like, um, you know, I was telling them for a, you know, a couple of months now about TEDx in Edmonton and, you know, how I had put my name forward and, and then they sent me the shortlist and said, okay, you've been shortlisted, send us now a pitch video. And, you know, all week I've been waiting to see if I got accepted or not. And then Monday I got the email that said, okay, we want you on our stage. And I'm like, yes. And, you know, it was just like, cool. Right. And so again, it's like my kids are seeing that if I want something, I make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you. You shared so many things about from attracting to shifting your mindset to all of these things about, and it all comes down to choice. And also I know your blankets have gone many places around the world. I know I was on vacation in BC a couple years ago and in this little kiosk thing, there was this, the shelving and I'm like, Oh, that's Kelly's blankets. <laughs> with me on vacation. Look at that. So it was very cool to see your message and your mission being spread because so many people want to be need to be wrapped around feeling loved and needed. And I love that you give the blankets to the school. Um, I also, it wasn't until the blanket and watching, I think it was you and Carrie, a mutual friend of ours, had had a paint night together of your own when I realized that you were an artist. And, um, <laughs> and then next thing I knew was the, the painting turned into the blankets. And, and now you are showcasing beautiful artwork. I know you just had a big launch. I don't know if it was last night or yeah, well, more, coming up recent, more coming up. Um, but it's been beautiful to see like all these talents that I didn't know you had continually. <laughs> and uh, I just want to thank you for sharing yourself with the world. But most importantly, I want people to know about how they can get your books, how they can get your artwork, how can they get themselves a blanket or okay. donate to your cause. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, you know, and, and, you know, in the blanket thing and the painting, that's a whole another crazy story because it was, again, about listening to, to intuition and stuff. And You can um, tell us. You got time to tell us. Do we? Okay, okay. Yeah. So you remember Carrie Cohan? Yes. Okay, because, yeah, she's another one of our mutual friends, and she's my best friend, and it was family day. And so the interesting thing was on family day, what, it was three years ago, and uh, three or four years ago, something like that. And she says to me, and I'm telling her how bored I am with life. Like, it was good, but I, I was bored. It was like, there's, I'm missing something. There's something else. And, she, and she's a psychic. So she says to me, well, Cal, I see you painting in a huge way, making thousands of dollars. And I'm like, you're full of shit. I'm not a painter. <laughs> I'm not at all, right? <laughs> no, I'm like, you're full of it. And apparently I used the F-bomb. And, you know, I was like, no, no. And anyway, she said, well, let's go to paint night. And I said, no, let's go drink wine in your hot tub. And she, and you know, her beautiful acreage that she had at the time, right? Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. thinking, no, wine, hot tub, that's way more fun, right? So, and she's thinking, I have to get Kelly painting because she's going to make thousands of dollars painting. And so anyways, the next day, I see on Facebook this painting and I was like, oh my God, I got to learn how to do that. And so um, I ended up watching some YouTube videos from the artist who did that painting and all of a sudden, my whole painting career took off. Again, it was that listening to that intuition. So it was right. kind of interesting because 
what happened was um, I watched these YouTube videos and it was three o'clock and I was bored and I was tired and I said, okay, it's nap time. So I go and I lay in my bed and I said to myself, okay, what does my heart say? And it said, go paint. And I was like, nah, what does my heart say? I said, get up and go paint. And I was like, okay, fine. And a year before that, I had won a paint kit. So it had like four canvases, all the paint, the brushes, the easel, it had everything in it. And so wow. I started painting and I put all four paintings on Facebook. And I text Carrie and I said, damn you woman. And she goes, what do you mean, damn you woman? I said, I'm painting. And she goes, what do you mean painting? You just got a new house, like why are you painting? Because she thinks I'm painting the walls. I said, go on Facebook. So I put up my paintings and people were buying my paintings. And this one lady, she emailed me and she said, can I buy your painting? And I'm like, sir. And she goes, well, how much? And I said, I don't know. I've only been painting one day. <laughs> and she goes, I said, but I am smart. So I did say to her, well, how much do you offer? And she goes, well, I'll pay you 150 bucks. And I'm like, sold. And so I made like a thousand bucks that week. Just wow. on I know. And so that painting then led me to getting my paintings put on a blanket. And, and then I thought, well, I'm going to put your love, your needed, your wanted on it. And so I did. And then when I, I took that blanket, and that is how everything else started too. Wow. So it's so, and I was actually able to give Wayne Dyer and Dorian Virtue a blanket. They got one of the very first five prototypes of my blanket. So, um, and oh yeah, and then Wayne Dyer, I know, and then Wayne Dyer passed away like three months after I met him. So I was so incredibly grateful that I listened to my heart when it said, you know, go to Maui, right? So otherwise yeah. you miss out on those opportunities. Exactly. It's always up to us. Um, you know, and, and some of my friends wanted to come to Maui with me and they didn't come and they're so upset because of course he passed away, right? Right. Right. And so that was a big lesson that when your heart says do something, do it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kelly. So how can they get Oh yeah, how can they how can they get the blankets? <laughs> okay. So for the blankets, you can go to blanketsforburnkids.com. And that's the website that I have for if people want to sponsor a blanket or if they want to buy blankets for themselves. Um, and then you can also go to my website. It's um, I have two. So Kellywoodhouse.com because eventually I think I'm gonna go back to my maiden name. So it's so much easier to spell and remember and all that stuff. And um, or you can go to kellyfilardo.com. But um, yeah, so that's where you can go and you can see all about my speaking and my books. And you can also can start on Amazon. See the documentary. Is it going to oh, okay. Well, the yeah. documentary. Well, if you're in Canada, you can see it at the AMI website. But if you go to my website, um, you can see the trailer for the documentary. So there's a 90-second video that's on it. But right now, what we're trying to do is we're trying to raise half a million dollars so that we can get it into the theaters in Canada, the States, the UK, Australia, and New Zealand. So we're looking for an investor or a sponsor that wants to get involved and, and, and help us take it to those levels. So, but the other thing we're thinking about is possibly doing like some watch parties so that people can watch the documentary that way. Cool, cool. Well, I'm hoping that someone out there listening to our podcast today would think, consider being one of those investors and reach out to Kelly. Kelly, how would they, they can contact you on your website? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely on my website, go to kellywoodhouse.com and uh, you can email me there. Come find me on, you know, I'm on uh, Instagram, but I don't know how to use it. So it's pretty funny because my son is the one that's using it. And he goes, mom, these guys want to go on dates with you. But then I tell them that it's the, that I'm the one that's, uh, you know, looking at Instagram. <laughs> the best filter. Yeah, and they disappear, and I'm like, yeah, cool, you know, you're, you're getting rid of the fake ones, you know, that, <laughs> but anyways, um, but yeah, they can come find me on um, Facebook, that's where I'm most active. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, Kelly, for spending this time with me, I'm forever grateful, and I know we need to have our lunch date very soon, because it's way, way overdue. You are very welcome, thank you. Any final words that you'd like to leave with our audience today? Well, one of my very favorite quotes is one that I came up with, and, and it, it talks all about today. 
and it's all about dreams are meant to be found, not tucked away in dreamland. Beautiful. That is a powerful message for everyone. Everyone else, I want to thank you for joining me on the Millionaire Woman Show along with our guest, Kelly Filardo. It has been such a treasure and um, I always enjoy the time I spend with you. And you can also go over to my website at www.debrakazowski.com where we will have the transcript as and everything included as well. Sign up for our Success Secrets newsletter and you will not miss a single beat. And uh, also go over to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Give us a five-star high five. Give us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And send us some feedback of what you like from our show with Kelly and I. We would love to hear the nuggets that stood out for you the most or comment below in the, when you hear you on the YouTube. And uh, as Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And as Kelly emphasized, it's a choice. All right, my wish from you and on behalf of Kelly and myself, go out and have a great day. Thanks, everyone.